Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I haven't been sleeping well lately. Seven. Six. Are you getting five, outside at all? Four. I think I'm good here. It's not healthy. Two. Calling up like that. One. Just doing my video stuff. Feel free to like or subscribe. This has been Ken Barber's Lawn Life Tips. Ken Barber's Management Tips. Ken Barber's Divorce Dad Tips. Some folks have commented that maybe my apartment is haunted. Uh, you should for sure keep investigating. <laughs> Are there any weird blood stains on the floor or blood curdling screams in the hallway? Yeah, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but the only weird screams are mine. People are leaving comments saying it's all just a big hoax. It looks like I'm hiding something. You did have a nervous breakdown. Something happened. When did you start drinking again? It's really happening. Fine. None of it is fake. One, three, two, one. That made me have the most horrifying nightmares. It was great. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 421. Releasing March 31 on Shudder is Night's End, a psychological horror that stars Gino Walker as an anxious shut-in whose attempts to exercise the malevolent spirits from his haunted apartment takes a horrific turn. A tense and creepy film that tackles themes of mental health, technology addiction, and messing with dark forces Night's End is also the latest film from director Jennifer Reader, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Jennifer, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Matt. So it's really interesting. The screenplay from this is written by Brett Neveu. He's a playwright in Chicago. From what I read, I mean, I think he said that originally he was looking to making a short out of the screenplay and then they was like turn it to a feature. How did you get involved um, with this um, screenplay? What was it about the, the story that Brett had that really appealed to you? Yeah, so Brett and I had been, you know, we've been friends for a long time and, and um, you know, I, I think he's a really, um, you know, brilliant writer and I've seen, you know, so many of his plays and, and that's mostly what he is, what's produced out of his writing, our plays. Um, but he and I have been, you know, but he's also been writing um, screenplays and so, and scripts for the film, for, you know, for the screen. And I thought that, um, you know, I kept thinking like, we should try and find something to work on together. So we'd been having conversations about various kind of ideas and projects, and he would send me, you know, scripts that he would write. He's a very fast writer. Uh, and, you know, some of my liked, but I was like, I'm not sure if this is the right one or, you know, it's not the right timing or whatever. And so he sent me this script and um, I, you know, I really liked Ken Barber. I liked the idea of um, taking on 
a film that had a, an adult male lead. I mean, most of my other films have featured the experiences of girls and women in particular teenage girls, you know, so that I just wanted to be able to say like, I I'm interested in all sorts of people. Um, and, uh, but this felt like an interesting, um, challenge and, and actually one that I had been looking for. I'd been looking for a script that had specifically an adult male, um, as a lead. Um, and I also, you know, I liked the idea of, um, of making, um, uh, you know, a chamber piece, uh, really dealing with the confines of one location. And, and even, you know, I do not think of this as a COVID piece, but certainly it was made during COVID. We shot it in the summer of 2021 when we were still, Mm. as we are now really dealing with so many people through screens. Um, and I think that this is going to become something that we do, you know, for a long, long time, because there's been lots of, I think, kind of positive side effects that have, that have come from, you know, being able to sort of, you know, communicate pretty effectively, you know, across oceans as we are right now, um, over, over screens. Um, and you know, and what's not going away is, um, yeah, is a kind of, you know, interest in, um, you know, amateur, you know, social media or what's not going away is, um, is anxiety and depression, you know, I mean, we could go on and on. So, you know, it just felt like it could be a piece that feels both timely and potentially, um, timeless. And it just, it felt like just a a really, a, a really good combination of things. So I had, um, I said, yeah, I'm really interested, you know, in making this. I mean, the funny thing is when he, when he sent me the first draft of the, or when I got, you know, a a draft of the script and it wasn't necessarily the first draft, but um, it was all dialogue, you know, I mean, he's a playwright. So it was like all dialogue. Right. So I, I just said, you know, I love this. You're a great dialogue writer. I love the gist of this story, but we have to give Ken something to do. You know, Mm. he lives by himself, but, but, you know, people who live by themselves still, you know, do things, do things during the day. So, you know, Brett and I were able to kind of together, you know, can collaborate as writers to get the script to where, um, you know, to where it was when we started the first production day, you know, so I helped kind of fill in some of the gaps around, um, the, the action sequences. I knew that I knew very well how I would, you know, create, his visual, the, the sort of the visual world or Ken's world in that, in that apartment, I knew exactly the color palette that I wanted to use. I knew exactly how I wanted to frame him, you know? So, um, it felt like, even though it was, this is not a piece that I, you know, that I wrote, I feel like my hand is very, is, is, is in this piece. And I hope that, uh, you know, my confirmed fans of the teenage girl films that I've made previously, you know, will also love this film and, and see my heart and hand in it. Gino Walker plays the role of Ken Barber, and some people might know him from Chicago PD, maybe from some other uh, TV stuff as well. He's really terrific in the role. What I really love, love about the performance is um, it really kind of, he really portrays the kind of what can the, what can be the terror of isolation. Now, for some people, isolation, solitude could be something else, but for people who maybe not be the most stable mentally, it can be really a taxing, torturous thing. I mean, there's a reason why prisoners don't want to go into solitary confinement, right? I mean, when you're stuck with yourself, it, it can be a really bad thing. Um, what's interesting about what happens with Ken in the film, he's got like a bit of a coping device. He counts backwards from 10 and then he says the words forward progress. How did that, was that something that was in the script already when you got it? Or was that something that you guys added on uh, a little bit later? Yeah, that was not in the script when I got it. And, um, you know, I had said to to Brett that I really thought it would be, um, 
you know, it would be fruitful to have, um, to have Ken, I mean, Ken wasn't even really so much of a shut-in when Brett gave me the script to begin with. You know, he had, he definitely had moved into a new apartment, um, uh, but he was not exactly. He didn't have the level of anxiety that um, that he does in this in the final version. And you know, so Brett and I talked about a way to to make it so that he sort of doesn't want to stay in the apartment, but he also kind of doesn't have the emotional capacity to leave the apartment and. That's also that's that 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 can that can provide kind of awkward humor, but also heartbreak. I mean, some of those there's there's humor in this film, but that's not to say that we're making fun of 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 any kind of the any of these um, you know any kind of disorders that keep people from you know living their full life by any means. Yes. Um, and the and this and this sort of idea of like the good and the bad of of social distance and social and social um, anxiety, so to say, but but. You know, I in in so many of my own films, I like to write in coping mechanisms for my characters, which might be kind of unexpected. And even though a kind of you know count back from ten with the with like forward progress, which is actually forward progress, is something that later on his wife says to him. So we sort of have this idea that maybe you know that's something that she has said to him multiple times. That's kind of her thing, and he's. And he's kind of taken it on for himself, um, and and, tr- tr- and trying to believe it. Mm. You know, um, I definitely think that you know, just at the very, you know, at the very least, I'm I'm certainly someone who, when I'm feeling kind of anxious, you know, five full deep breaths, you know, does 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 help me. I count um, backwards. I count backwards from ten. That's what I yeah. Think. yeah yeah I mean there's other sometimes I'm, if I if I'm on a plane my my Catholic upbringing you know brings me to um a hail mary mm-hmm. you know a kind of a, a barrage of hail marys even though you know I'm 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 a very you know reformed Catholic you know or recovering Catholic however you want to call it but I mean there's definitely there's things that even I do that can kind of reset or refocus myself when I am you know feeling destructively you know anxious. So I wanted that to be, I wanted to build a kind of daily routine for Ken, you know, that includes the kind of, you know, pink and acid into his coffee, the mm. soup making, the um, the kind of inversion table, these things that we see him do every day, that would be, um, for a chamber piece like this, it would mark time, it would mark the days, but it would also mark, like, for an audience, like, how well he was doing that day, you know? So if it was a calmer count back from 10, or if it was the amount of the, you know, pink and acid that went into his cup, you know, um, there, I, I really thought that we could, that we could, you know, without, like, I, I thought to myself, like, how can we get information to the audience about like the level of kind of Ken's anxiety from day to day without him expressing that verbally because he's really trying to keep that information from his, from his best friend, Terry, um, and certainly from his ex-wife, Kelsey. Uh, and I, and I really wanted to avoid having him talk to himself except for the counting backwards, you know, which feels like that's really doing it out loud feels like very much part of his process. Um, you know, I never wanted to Ken to, you know, have a, one of those tropey moments where he looks himself in the mirror and, I don't know, gives himself a pep talk or something, you know, I just thought like, that's, we can do better than that. Um, so 
so all of those kind of like the daily routine that we that we we are introduced to at the beginning of the film and then we kind of see it go through different phases you know where it kind of he gets worse and then he kind of gets better again and then it ends and that's worse and that's even worse you know at the end mm. um so yeah so that, you know was it that was an interesting you know kind of challenge to take to take um you know Brett's material and being able to kind of you know add add information to it you know as you know as another as another writer the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. Something that's really interesting about the film is that you just mentioned then there isn't that moment where he kind of looks in the mirror and, and has that kind of moment. He purges his stuff outward onto YouTube. He's a YouTuber. He has all these kind of live different channels. And, and anyone who works YouTube knows you should never spread out your niche. Just stick to one, but he's gone all over the place. Mm-hmm. But he's more using it as a way of purging out his feelings. And it comes down to, to the thing of what I call the evil of screen time. Screen time is a concept that a lot of people associate with kids. They don't really think about the impact that it has on adults as well. It's insidious in its addiction. It has negativity on the brain, even when you're an adult as well. Um, and what I find really interesting about how you tackle it in your movie, I know that you are a big fan of Videodrome. It's a movie that you watch once a year. What does what do you think watching Videodrome now, even after making this film, um, does that film say in a very kind of prophetic kind of way of what screen time, um, of what the insidious nature of screen time in people watching screens is today? And do you think that um, your your love of that film, what Cronenberg did in that film, does that influence in any type of way that how you kind of approach that kind of theme in your movie? Oh God, that's such a good question. And yeah, I mean, I love that you <laughs> you brought up you know video drama, which was also really inspiring for my section in, in um you know VHS ninety four. Yes, which is, yeah, right, right, which is also yeah. a Shutter original that came out this past October. Um, you know, I I am I mean, you know, I am shamelessly a consumer of lots of um you know lo- lots of video content. You know, yeah, me through, too. Uh, through, through through a tiny screen mm-hmm. and some of it is um is also a kind of um like a, a calming 
tick, you know, there's a lot, I mean, on Instagram, I love to, my most recent thing is I love to watch, um, like the talking Husky dogs, Husky dogs that say right. like, I love you or something. I find that like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that made me feel better. Now I can go on with my day or something like this. You know, I have no problem admitting that. Um, but I'm also, um, but also as a filmmaker and a storyteller, I, I also, you know, there are accounts that I follow that are, um, you know, where there are people who just are like, it's, it is like a diary. Like it's every post is kind of dear diary. And it's just watching, you know, a kind of unraveling personal chaos. And, um, and I, and I, and I have, you know, deep sympathy for, for some of those, um, you, you know, owners of those accounts. And I, but I feel fascinated, you know, like as a, as a storyteller and someone who, who likes to write really complicated characters. I mean, part of it is, is research as a, as research, as a filmmaker. I mean, even, even, even the sense of, um, of like aspect ratio, you know, watching like who, who of the YouTubers or the TikTokers or the Instagrammers are like going vertical or going horizontal. I mean, I really get into this sort of sense of, of who wants it to be perceived as cinema or, or who wants it to be perceived as like Instagram four, three, which for me goes back to like analog VHS, you know, and that goes back to, to, um, Videodrome. I remember one of my, one, of uh, you know, a young filmmaker that I was, um, that I was kind of mentoring said, you know, that she was going to shoot her project. Um, you know, she was shooting at 169, but she was going to crop it four three. And I was like, Oh, like VHS. And she said, no, like Instagram, you know, that was like, so like that in that moment, you know, the kind of, um, that really kind of like underground bat behind the screen world of, of videodrome and the drug that is videodrome, you know, in that the signal is the, you know, the, the signal is the sensation or the signal is the sedative. I mean, I think even that, that actually gets said in, you know, I wrote that in for VHS 94, but that's happening in a kind of reverse way for Ken too. You know, we're watching somebody do exactly what you should never do. Not only just like, you know, stick to your topic, but, you know, he's, he's sort of using it for the, you know, four subscribers that he has to, um, be heard literally to be heard and to be seen, you know? Mm. And I think that, um, that so much of, of, of what we as, as, um, evolving humans need to be healthy mentally on a daily basis is, is to feel valid. You know, we need to feel validated and that means being seen and heard. And in, in a time of, um, even pre COVID, if you are isolated or self-isolating, you know, if you are isolated, forced isolation or self-isolating or something, you know, in between it's, you know, that, that sense of being seen and heard just vanishes. And, um, and so, you know, he's, he's in that, he's in that, he's in that place and the connection, you know, the, the, you know, making this, this film where, where we had to build chemistry between characters that literally we shot everybody separately, you know? So, so, so we built that chemistry in post. We, you know, we didn't bring in actors to, to, to act against each other. I mean, except for Kate and Michael, who were obviously in the same frame, yeah. um, you know, everybody else had to, were just incredible actors, you know, who were acting against the script supervisor who was like feeding them lines, which I think helped 
on some level create these little bit, these, what, what does feel like, you know, a distance. So when we get to, um, you know, the exorcism and I, I won't spoil things, but there is that sense of everybody being watching, you, you know, these watching something horrible happen and they have no control over it, you know, because literally everybody is, is, is totally, you know, is very, very, very far away from each other. And, um, and, you know, and that's a, you know, that's a world that some people choose and some people, um, you know, create, create for themselves. But at the end of the day is, is, is not, um, in my opinion, something that, um, is, is all that good for one's personal, you know, human evolution. Final question. Um, a note that I wrote down when I was watching this film was evil gone viral. Um, it's really interesting. One of your favorite films is um, that you watch once a year's video drink. One, one of my favorite films I watch once a year is The Exorcist. It's one of my, I love that movie. When that film came out, there was a lot of kind of warnings from pastors and preachers and priests. Billy Graham famously said that the devil lives in that film. If you watch that film, you leave yourself open to perception of evil forces. And it's really interesting that the use of technology and spiritual and religious practice over the last couple of years. I'm a practicing Catholic. And during COVID, I had I watched like you know um, uh, Catholic ceremonies, uh, mass, etc., through screens, etc. There's actually a um, evangelical pastor in America. He does exorcisms by Skype. I don't know if you know this. Um, what's his name? Wow. Um, uh, I totally forgot what his name was. Uh, anyway, Bob Larson. His name was. He does that through on Skype. What, what do you think of the of the theme of you know you were saying before you watch. The, the video with the with the with the puppies or the dogs and it calms you down. There's an effect on it. Do you think if people watch stuff that does portray things that are evil, that maybe perhaps there could be a seedling or thing that could uh, affect someone on the other end, or do you think that's more just kind of like you know the mental state of the viewer as opposed to the content of what they're viewing? Yeah, I think it's. I, I definitely. I mean, I actually think that there are, that that people. I think that audience. I mean you know, like genre films and specifically, you know, horror are so, I mean, are getting just more and more and more popular, but I think for the opposite, I think that there are people who, and like, you know, you know, very religious people, very pious people, very, very ethical people who still as, as film consumers like to watch, um, you know, sort of very, very kind of evil films. And I think it's, um, uh, that there, that, that's, that there is, that there is a, um, you know, there's a need to, to acknowledge darkness in the world, you know, that there is darkness in the world. I don't think it helps to, um, I don't think it helps anybody to, to deny that there's, you know, a darkness in the world and that, that whether or not, you know, you, you believe in the devil, that there's devilish things that are done by, you know, mortals all the time, you know, we're certainly, we witness that on a daily basis all around the world. So I think that, um, I think some it's for me, I feel like sometimes, you know, for, for, for like watching, um, a very scary movie, um, or a movie that, that really is about, um, you know, sort of evil forces can, can then when the movie's over, you know, you, it's like, um, a different kind of a cleansing. You get to return to the world where Huskies mm. talk and mm -hmm. people love, people love each other. And, and you get to be the person who's made different choices for your life. You know, who's, who's, who is, um, yeah. Who's made different choices for your life, you know? So, uh, I, yeah, I think it's, um, 
and, and, you know, even like, you know, something that I, um, you know, again, specifically, you know, because you were talking about this, you know, growing up Catholic, there's so many really profoundly cinematic images in Catholicism, you know, yes. that, um, that I find, um, so, um, extraordinary and so moving. And, and I was, I was, uh, you know, hearing, uh, someone talk about, um, there, they had met Sissy Spacek and she was talking about her experience doing Carrie. And she said that during Carrie, she really looked at lots and lots of beautiful, um, you know, Renaissance, um, you know, and like images that were based on church, church imagery, you know, to sort of like, think about who some of the poses and gestures that she would take, you know, that that she would sort of take on. And, um, yeah, I think it can have the opposite effect. I don't think, I mean, we definitely thought that there was a ghost on set, you know, when we were shooting, you know, there were definitely some strange things that happened and we all had this sense, like, did we conjure that? Did, mm. are, are we making a scary movie and we've conjured something? Um, but, um, you know, no, I think that, I think, I think consuming, you know, consuming content that, that can feel antithetical to sort of who we are at our core, you know, doesn't can, can actually be, can amplify our core sometimes, or, or I think that more often than not, it amplifies our, our, our core mm. rather than, to, rather than to kind of, you know, infiltrate it in a, in a, in a nefarious way. Well, look, Night Scene, it's such a fascinating movie. It's such a great uh, to watch a horror film that makes me want to ask questions like this. And so great to talk to you, Jennifer, about the movie, everyone out there listening, March 31 on Shutter Night in the latest film directed by Jennifer Reader. Jennifer, I thank you so very much for your time today. And hopefully we can talk again in the future. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. It was great talking to you too.